Sam, talk about growing up, what were your passions and interests, and kind of what ultimately led you to wanting to be a broadcaster? Well, I grew up, um, obviously, in a family that uh, sports was very important, and I grew up playing every single sport. I think now kids are kind of specializing in sports, but I grew up playing every single sport I could. I played soccer, basketball, golf, uh, anything I could really play outside. We were always outside, so... Uh, growing up, I mean, like any other kid, I wanted to be a uh, professional athlete. I didn't know what sport, but I wanted to uh, go pro in something in sports. And as, as time went on and as I started to realize my uh, athletic abilities were not, uh, you know, up to snuff for professional right. sports, uh, I, started to, uh, I started to write. I started to um, broadcast games in college uh, at Pepperdine University where I went. And uh, I started to fall in love with that, and that was kind of became my passion. I started traveling with teams, uh, going around broadcasting for Pepperdine basketball and baseball. But um, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be—I wanted to play. I didn't want to be on the sidelines. But as I started to realize, no, this is uh, this is this can really work out as far as broadcasting goes, and writing, reading everything I could get my hands on about broadcasting or about games. That's where my passion started to lie, and uh, it came to fruition, and now, now we're doing it. Yeah. Um, is, was it before you got to Pepperdine, or was it when you once you got there that you realized you liked the writing and the broadcasting side of things? Yeah, good question. I, uh, I started writing um, in high school in Connecticut, where I went to Avon Old Farms. I started writing for our paper there. I was the sports editor my senior year, and uh, those were just writing kind of feature stories on uh, players and on teams that I was on, so kind of writing stories on my friends that were going to play college sports. So it originally started out as writing, and then once I got to Pepperdine, I was the first game that I was able to broadcast, because uh, I came in pretty eager knowing that's what I wanted to do. The first game I broadcasted was a women's volleyball game, and I have never seen, nor have I read about or watched a women's volleyball game before. In my life, it may have been the single worst broadcast that I have ever been a part of. It was absolutely terrible. So, um, it, it was what I wanted to do, and I uh, I did that. I did that for a season, and then I started to grow into, of course, it was basketball season. Um, so that was something I was very familiar with in baseball season, and I did that for all four years I was there. So starting out as a freshman, doing women's volleyball games uh, prepared me for Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because what you just said about um, kind of expecting anything that can go wrong, you know, how to kind of handle that, that was something I kind of learned, too, as an intern with the Green Jackets in Augusta two years ago, and you kind of have this responsibility to the team, players, whatever the job might be, and you just kind of have to learn on the fly how to deal with the adversity or potential adversity. Yeah, any, anything can go wrong, and, and I, I promise you, whatever broadcast I have been on, something has gone wrong, whether it's a teleprompter that's not working or a highlight that is a wrong highlight that we're not talking about, but it's on the screen. Something will always, always go wrong, and 
and that, that's something that um, at a young age I learned very early on. I think that that has helped me uh, now because you're able to talk over it and, and just kind of make the broadcast better. The ultimate goal is to make the viewers that are watching realize that nothing has gone wrong, even right. something catastrophically has gone wrong in the back room or something. This kind of leads, I guess, to my second question. Obviously, your father, Carl Ravage, is a notable personality with ESPN's, you know, coverage of Major League Baseball and college basketball. How often did you maybe go to him for advice or, you know, did he kind of critique you so that you could, you know, learn quickly or learn on the fly, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, my uh, my relationship with my dad is something that uh, I cherish, and not only for going to him uh, about advice, in my career, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I go to him for everything. He's like, just like my dad is like your dad. I mean, I'll go to him for any sort of relationship advice or any anything that's going on in life. And, and yeah, sometimes we'll, we'll bring up sports, but it, that really hasn't been a, a focal point on on our conversations. It's more of, hey, how you doing? How'd you would you shoot on the golf course today? Uh, it's stuff kind of like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, growing up. Um, and when I when I started to get into this, I, I don't think he knew this was what I wanted to do until, like I said, probably senior year of high school and uh, and beyond. But once I started doing games, uh, he would always listen. He would fall asleep to most of my games. Probably I don't know if that's a compliment, but uh, because we were on the West Coast and I grew up yeah. in Connecticut, uh, you know, he would tune in on the uh, on the internet or watch the games and and uh, and I would I would go to him and ask for advice. He would have to and say, uh, hey, maybe maybe you want to do this differently, but um, absolutely, for, for games now and a couple games I have coming up with ESPN, uh, you know, I, I can guarantee you that he and my entire family, who have been incredibly supportive of this journey, will be watching, and, and no doubt I'll get some um, constructive criticism, because I, I, I live off that. That's the that's only what makes me better, and I think... Um, I, I have been very good at facing that constructive criticism and trying to get into a positive. But uh, his relationship with uh, with me, as far as the work goes, is um, is something that I I need in my life, and it, it's always been there. And uh, and I, I'm very thankful for that. And again, like I've been asked, uh, you know, this question a lot, of course, and I I, will, I guarantee you, I'll continue to be asked it. And I, I have, uh, and I'm incredibly grateful for what. He has provided and, and paved the way, as some might say, for me in this industry. Um, and uh, you know, he, he has been talked about um, as one of being a very great broadcaster for, for baseball and basketball. And he's been at ESPN. This is now his twenty-fifth year at, at ESPN. So um, that's all I have ever known. Uh, growing up, I'm twenty-three years old now. Uh, so he was at ESPN when I was born. And uh, you know, when when I asked the question. Uh, you know what it's what it's like to follow in his footsteps. Uh, I always give the response of, yeah, I'm I'm following in his footsteps, uh, but I'm also trying to make my own footprint in this industry, and I think that we're uh, we're, we're doing a good job of that. At 23, you are the youngest play-by-play voice in AA baseball, I believe. I, I know you were the youngest going into the last season. Um, explain your thoughts as you headed into your first season last year, and as you progress into year two with the Flying Squirrels this year. Um, kind of, I guess, what have you learned since then, and just where you, where, where do you feel you are, I guess, as compared to last year at this time? Yeah, I, uh, I was the youngest broadcaster last year. I don't know if I still am. Um, 
So this week you will be covering college baseball for ESPN with Texas versus Texas A&M on Tuesday, April 10th on the SEC Network. Um, and then you'll be also covering Coastal Carolina versus the University of North Carolina on Tuesday, April 24th on ESPNU. Um, can you maybe talk about these matchups a little bit? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely start with the Texas-Texas A&M game. I, to be honest with you, I've been following UNC Coastal, but just because the season has been uh, getting underway here. I have not been able to put all that much research into that game just yet. Right. Yeah, with the uh, Texas-Texas A&M game coming up, um, it, it's kind of, it doesn't really get much better than that for college baseball fans or uh, anyone that lives in the state of Texas because there's that in-state rivalry that you have going on there. And that'll be the same for Coastal UNC too. But um, the Texas-Texas A&M, these are, I mean, these are two blue blood college baseball programs for those who don't know. Texas is uh, is one of the best and longest uh, successful programs in college baseball. 
wins behind Fordham. Um, of course, after the, the death of former head coach Augie Garrido this year, um, and I think uh, it, it just kind of magnifies how successful Texas has been throughout the years of college baseball. He's a, a legend in the world of college baseball coaches. And, uh, you know, to lose him on, to an unfortunate and uh, untimely death, I think, during the season, um, the team has, has uh, kind of played better. And, I don't, and I, I'll say this during the broadcast, too. I think there's no doubt that he's, you know, looking down, almost coaching from above, because um, what they have been doing this year, especially following his uh, his passing, has been uh, very good. It's almost like two different teams in the and uh, I think Texas is a, a, a contender, certainly, in the Big 12. Um, ever since Texas A&M left the Big 12 to move to the SEC, their competition has, of course, gotten greatly better. And because of that, they have gotten better recruits. And they are a top-ranked team in the country right now. They entered this weekend uh, number 19. Texas is knocking on the door in the top 25. So this is going to be a very good matchup. Great pitching on both sides. Um, it should make for an exciting game. And, uh, and again, I'll say that this is an in-state rivalry. So even though it's a non-conference game, even though it is a, uh, a game that in the grand scheme of things will not mean that much when it comes down to playoff contention or playoff time, uh, this is a, a meaningful game for these players because they can say, hey, we own, we own the state of Texas. For this uh, for this day, so I think that's going to be an, an exciting kind of game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you you kind of mentioned it too. Um, you're talking about some of the research that you put in the games, and I'm now I'm curious. Um, what what is your typical, uh, you know, whether it's the Flying Squirrels, college baseball, and for ESPN, I guess what is your maybe your typical routine, or how do you go about, I guess, your research on a daily basis, or however you're however you operate. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, it changes based on what game or, or what network I'm broadcasting for. I'll, I'll speak for the squirrels quickly, and then I'll, I'll go over to the ESPN because those are a little bit more intricate. But for the squirrels games, a lot of my research, and don't get me wrong, the numbers are very important, and you have to use them on the air. But a lot of the, I guess, research that I do and where I like to get all of my information is during batting practice. I'm, I'm down there every single day batting practice talking to the players because they are the ones who are giving me the information on how they're feeling, how they're playing, what's working, what's not working. So a lot of my information comes from those kind of interactions with the players during batting practice or when they're just throwing around. I'll go out there, I'll grab my glove and throw in a couple of them just to uh, chat it up a little bit and, and get some stories because, as you know, a play-by-play broadcaster is only as good as the stories that he is able to uh, weave in and out of a game, and I think those uh, relationships that I have with players, albeit professional, you know, you, you care about them after 140 games, so those relationships that I have built, I can go to them, ask them any questions, they'll, you know, give me an answer that they will, uh, of course, know is possibly going to be thrown on, on, on air, but, um, you know, it, those relationships that I have during batting practice, that's where I prepare a lot, most of my preparation comes from. For ESPN, um, because, of course, it's a, a televised network game nationally uh, across the United States, um, those are, of course, a little bit bigger productions where you have a producer and a director. And I, uh, I actually just got a, a, an email with some scouting reports from the producer that's going to be producing this game 
on ESPN for us. So uh, those games, you have to prepare a little bit more. Of course, I haven't been there the entire season with these players, so I don't know them all as well as I know the San Francisco Giants organization. Um, but you, you spend just more time preparing uh, for those games. You, you research more, you watch games, you watch film, almost like you're a player preparing to face another team. You know, I'm, I'm preparing for both of these teams as uh, as watching the games and scouting and writing down notes and writing down talking points, what we want to focus on. So that's kind of how we uh, we get prepared for those ESPN games. Who is your broadcast team for the ESPN games um, for uh, Texas and Texas A&M on Tuesday? It's going to be me and Ben McDonald. I didn't think your father was um, going to be on, on that one or not. And I know in the in the past you have worked together. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he, I know he, uh, of course, he'll be doing a lot of the College World Series games. Right. And I, I don't, I don't know, I, I have three ESPN games coming up, and then, you know, we'll see what happens for the College World Series, but I think that, uh, you know, down the road, it would be extremely cool to be doing a game with him. He's a wealth of knowledge, so he could do play-by-play, play, he could do analyst, whatever you, whatever you want, he's, he's qualified for either of those. Yeah, the, the, the Flying Squirrels are two games into their season. I know you're getting the third game of the season's underway right now as we speak. Um, and so far, they're 1-1 one one as they play the Trenton Thunder in, in Trenton, New Jersey. Um, so as we get into the bulk of the season ahead, the home opener is Friday, April 13th at the Diamond against the Reading. Um, I put the Phillies, and it's not. The, the Reading the fighting fills. Um, first pitch is at 7.05. Can you kind of just preview the, the 2018 season ahead, just kind of lay the, lay the land there? Sure. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a better season than, than the Squirrels had last year. Uh, I'm incredibly excited for opening day. I know everybody at the ballpark is excited, as you know, uh, having worked in minor league baseball. The you wear so many hats, and uh, you know we, we're all getting ready and preparing as best we can for uh, Friday. It looks like it's going to be good weather. Thankfully, it has not been great weather. Nope. As you know, uh, yeah. to start this baseball season. So yeah. it, it appears that it's going to heat up. Uh, the, the Squirrels are, are a better team, as I said, than last year. There are younger prospects that have come up from San Jose, the high A team, um, and uh, they're, they're playing really well. We have uh, you know, Jonah Arenado is a player on this Squirrels team. You, you recognize the last name, and accurately so. He's uh, Nolan Arenado's brother, mm-hmm. third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. So, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of making his own footprints in this uh, professional baseball world. There's guys like Aramis Garcia, top five prospect in the Giants organization by some. He's a catcher. Uh, he's starting here as a 40-man member for the Giants, so he can get called up any time this season if Posey goes down with an injury or Huntley goes down. Um, you know, Garrett Williams is a left-handed pitcher who's going to start the game, I believe, in Hartford, uh, get his first start under his belt. Uh, he's kind of touted as the next Madison Bumgarner for the San Francisco Giants. So there, there's players that you can pick on. I think uh, one of the more exciting things, you're going to see a lot more home runs. Uh, Dylan Davis is a guy who he just hit a home run today. He's had two home runs and put it out three games. So he's a, a guy that can bring some power. Um, but you can go up and down the lineup. Uh, there's some veteran players in there too. Jerry Sands was with us last year. He's kind of that captain, although he doesn't have the C on his jersey with uh, over 150 big league games. So uh, it's, a, it's a team that has... Uh, it has youth, it has veteranship, and uh, it's going to be an exciting team. I think that I think that with the pitch they have and the offense, 
uh, they're a team that can that can make a push for the playoffs for sure. One of the uh, things I've really realized the last couple of years is um, kind of the progression that some of these guys have. Like, you know, for instance, Miguel Gomez was in, I think, Richmond last year, and he's already, you know, been to the majors. And I, I knew him from Augusta in 2016. So just from 2016 to now, you know, some of these guys have already gone from single A up to the big leagues or, you know, these double A, triple A. So, I mean, these guys can definitely definitely rise fast. And you mentioned Dylan Davis. Um, I'm familiar with, you know, Guys like Michael Connolly and Jake McCasland, who were in the rotation, they actually started the year a couple of years ago in the bullpen, and then they came into the rotation. So yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be more speed too on the base paths. Uh, Rodney Jabazi is another guy who I don't know if you had it. I, I, I think he may have skipped Augusta, right? Uh, but he he was 15 for 15 and stolen bases last year. So the total stole 41 bases last year. That was last in the Eastern League, and they uh, stole four yesterday. They've already stole I think seven on the season. So um, yeah, and a lot of that, again, we haven't really talked about it, but there's new Vince at the helm, and that's Willie Harris. Um, and he's a guy who stole plenty of bases over his 12-year career in Major League Baseball. Uh, he was on the 2005 uh, Chicago White Sox World Series team and uh, scored a winning run in the go-ahead game there. So, you know, he's, he's the first-year manager for the Spurs this year. And, and I think I've, I've been in the locker room when he's talked to the guys and uh, it's just a little bit of a different feel. He's very much of a player coach, and I think the players at this level uh, respect that, and they 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 will gravitate towards that because once you get to Double A, there are not many players professionally that make it this far. Uh, you can get drafted, you can make it to the low A, the short A, uh, short season, single A. But once you get to Double A and Triple A. You have a very good chance. You're a phone call away from putting on a giant jersey. So I think the guys know their daily routines. They don't need necessarily um, any sort of uh, you know guys that say, all right, get to the ballpark here, do this, do that. I think these guys are. It's a loose clubhouse, and uh, and I think these guys will gravitate towards that, and uh, and hopefully don't take advantage of that. And I think they haven't so far. So. We'll see how it goes down the road, but Willie Harris is, is uh, a guy who lets these guys do what they want, and they, they respond well to that. Yeah, and I remember, I, I do remember uh, Harris back when he was playing and the speed he had, and and I also realized, you know, Jay Bell was the manager of Trenton, so he got a couple of major, yeah. major leaguers, you know, guiding these teams, and um, also I... One of the things I wanted to go back to that you mentioned too was I think it was an important element that you mentioned about um, the relationships you have with players and getting those those thoughts during batting practice because uh, that was one of the things when I was with the Green Jackets I was doing the media but I was also doing the marketing so I had that it was an awesome experience to be able to experience both sides of it um, and I guess kind of what I've learned about myself since then and going forward is the media side is definitely the side that I would you know, I, I've taken that interest to as far as whether it's just writing on my own or writing for a few websites or, you know, even doing things like this with you. Um, and, you know, being able to go directly to the source, get that info. And yeah, it's, it's also, you know, that's one of the things I've always liked is just being able to talk with the players, talk and find out these things. Yeah, that's where, that's where I get a lot of my information from is from the players. And I think, um, it, 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 it might help a little bit that I am, for the most part, their age, if not a little bit younger. So I can relate with them on a lot of things. We went to school at the same time, college. For those guys who went and played at college at the same time, 
Um, so I think that is a little bit of an advantage. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of the small uh, talk and just hanging out with them. I'll, I'll go on the golf course with a lot of them. Um, so that, that's where a lot of that comes from. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, but it was uh, a player that we had last year. At shortstop, CJ Hinojosa was just uh, popped for 50 games for uh, a drug substance abuse. So he was a, a good friend of mine last year. Um, you know, with the Giants, and hopefully he can, he can, you know, get over that and play play better when he comes back out. But you know, it, it's those kind of relationships that you build uh, with those players that you can just makes for a better broadcast because you know them personally. Who are some of maybe the notable on-air talents you look up to or wanted to be, maybe be like, as as you look to forge your own on-air um, identity? Yeah, I had the uh, great fortune of growing up, of course, less than two miles away from ESPN Studios in Bristol, Connecticut. So whenever I could, I would go into the studio with my dad, and he was doing Sports Center or Baseball Tonight around 10 o'clock. Um, I would just go in and everybody there was gracious enough to just kind of let me hang out and sit and watch and soak in all these uh, great personalities on air. Um, just to name a few, the late, great Stuart Scott was very, very good to me growing up. Um, you know, he's a guy who could who could make a, a monotonous highlight sound like it was the best thing that ever happened in sports. Um, Scott Van Pelt is a very, very good friend of mine. Um, he has been uh, supportive, and, uh, and I have gone back and forth with him asking questions. Um, and over on the baseball side, Tim Kirchner, we call him Uncle Timmy in our house. Uh, he's a, a very good, close family friend. Um, his son is also kind of in the industry, although not in sports. He's a, a radio host out in Las Vegas now. Um, Kurt Schilling is another guy who wasn't at ESPN long, but um, you know we are close because he uh, lives in Massachusetts. My dad is from Massachusetts. Um, Eduardo Perez is on there now. All these guys have have been you know very very supportive and have reached out graciously to help me or to um, or just be a sounding board. If I have any questions, I'll go to these guys uh, that, I, that I just named. But everybody over at ESPN has been great as far as uh, growing up in, in that in, in the vicinity of it. I mean, I interned there uh, my after my junior year of college going into senior year. I worked on uh, Mike and Mike's radio show in the morning, worked on First Take, or I worked on His and Hers back when it was still there. So, you know, just being in that in that building, you just kind of soak everything in. It's just amazing the wealth of knowledge that they have there. As an intern, what were your, I guess, your duties or responsibilities? As an intern, I uh, I cut highlights. That was my, that was what I did. I, I was not on air whatsoever. Um, but I cut highlights from Mike and Mike. Uh, anything they would, they would talk about, same for first take and his and hers. Uh, I was able to kind of branch away and get into baseball a little bit. I didn't work on baseball tonight, but I helped with Sports Center on the road during the All Star game in San Diego that year because I knew the area fairly well. And uh, I, I went out there and helped out. I ran a teleprompter for Lindsay Zoniak. That was something I did on Sports Center on the road. So uh, a little bit of everything. I was I was absolutely behind the scenes. I did not do anything on camera. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I also, and going back to what we were talking about before, 
having that experience uh, behind the scenes, I think, only is going to make you a better broadcaster. So the production side, the directing side, watching all of that has helped me a lot. And growing up with my uh, dad doing doing shows and doing games, a lot of where I was sitting, I wasn't in the booth with him. I was sitting in the uh, production truck. So I was watching that whole thing. I wasn't even really listening to him or the broadcast. I was watching the producer and watching the director, watching graphics and, and TDs work. Um, that was that was where I was, I was hanging out. So I learned very quickly about everything that goes on behind the scenes. And without those guys, nothing is going to go, nothing's going to happen. And that's stuff that I would like to see one day as far, you know, as learning and learning and seeing how these things work because I've never been on the mass media side specifically. But as far as when I'm watching a, a broadcast or listening to it, I can only imagine, and I, I I do understand just all the work that goes into making these productions happen. But being able to see it would be really, I think, amazing as far as just being able to really digest and understand just exactly like you were mentioning at the very beginning how things go wrong and you have to make it work as if nothing did go wrong. So I think that's really an invaluable um, experience and takeaway. Exactly, exactly. So I also, nobody will, will know their names, but they're the silent heroes or a lot of those guys in the production, the directors are are, are are people that I also go to because they know mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of information uh, as far as how what makes a broadcast go and run. So a lot of those people on SportsCenter and um, and anything else behind the scenes, I'll, I'll go to them too um, and ask plenty of questions. And I don't know about what the, the squirrels necessarily, but um, with ESPN, I assume while you're you know broadcasting on air, you have somebody in your ear, right? As far as directing you, or yes, yes, somebody is uh, somebody is certainly in your ear, um, and, and people don't really know or understand that part. Of it, but I think that's one of the more difficult parts of it because. Uh, especially going into breaks or coming out of breaks or talking to the studio or anything like that. The producer is in your ear counting down from 10 and you're talking meanwhile trying to not talk past one. So you're timing it up at the same time. That's a, that's a pretty difficult thing. And you're, you're listening and talking at the same time. That, that is not easy. One of the final things I like to ask those that I talk with, um, I guess, what kind of advice would you have for others who may be in high school or college or, you know, just trying to break out and be like you and many others who work in the game and whether it's as a broadcaster or maybe just some other capacity, just basically what's your advice for aspiring journalists or broadcasters? Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm, you know, the, the, in the position to be giving advice because I always find myself asking for advice. And I, I think, you know, if, if I could give any advice, it would be to uh, just just keep your head down and, and, and grind it out because it's such a it's such a cutthroat business. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, as you know, it's, it's very highly competitive and and anything you can learn, any sort of information you can take in. Read everything that you can get your hands on, whether it's sports or anything. I mean, I, I read the newspaper every morning, and it just helps make me more informed about what I'm talking about, the audience, what the what the world is feeling at that certain certain time. Um, and and you know, I think just reading is so important. Um, you know, be confident in who you are. Don't try to emulate other people's uh, on-air personalities. I can never be. 
the next Vince Scully, nor will everybody, any, anybody else ever be, but you can be the best you. And, um, and at the end of the day, if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I was, I was Sam Ravage today. I, I was true to myself and, and, uh, and, and I shared experiences with people that, you know, I was happy to share them with. You can, you can put your head on a pillow and sleep great at night. And I, and I, trying to do that and uh, have been pretty successful at doing that uh, throughout my short career so that's just a couple of things that I would that I would I would share uh, you know it's a tough tough industry to crack and I don't think there's a perfect way to go about it I don't think there's a right path to go I think uh, be, be diverse in everything that you can do I know that I try to I do play by play I do studio stuff for the spoils we have our own TV show so I was that, um, you know, just being able to do everything and and, uh, and make yourself, you know, not be easily tra- replaced, you know. If, if uh, you do everything, they can't say, well, we, we can do without him because he doesn't do this. Just do everything yeah. that you can, and then it makes it harder for you to leave. Have you talked with John Laser, who previously was the broadcaster with the Flying Squirrels? I unfortunately don't know him all that well, but I have got to speak with him a handful of times and, and listen to a couple of his Virginia Tech games. Um, I mean, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's, uh, he was one of the best, I'm sure, in Burnley Baseball when he was here. And I know Jay uh, Burnham, who's with us now, and there's the voice of the squirrels, is, uh, is good friends with him. So, yeah, Lays is, uh, is an awesome dude. He, he talks about wealth of power. He's been doing this for a long, long time. Before I let you go, I want to get the stations that you know everybody can catch the squirrels on. Yeah, yep, you can catch uh, every every single flying squirrels game on Fox Sports nine ten. We are not we're no longer on the iHeartRadio app. If you download the radio.com app in the app store, you can type in Fox Sports nine ten Richmond, and you can listen there. And of course, uh, MILB TV is where all the squirrel games um, are broadcast. So yeah, that's where you can uh, follow the squirrels all season long. It should be uh, should be an exciting one. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, opening day and just, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to get to more games this season. Now that I am in Richmond on a full-time basis, I'd like to uh, try to get to more games and looking forward to Friday and just, you know, being back there as a fan. We're, we're excited to have uh, baseball back at the Diamond. I know everybody in Richmond is, uh, is looking forward to it, too, and I'm 95% sure that uh, we are sold out now we're almost sold out by the time uh, by the time this will or anything will come out so. Sam it was a pleasure and I thank you for taking the time to do this and I don't want to take up your whole afternoon or anything this just awesome that you were able to do this with me anytime Will I appreciate it and uh, and thank you for doing what you're doing it's, uh, it's great to uh, you know talk to you and, and talk about baseball so I'm excited for uh, excited for the future and uh, excited for what you got going on too